Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Alex Kalanorkas, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Welcome to a special travel diary covering my voyages to and around the 2023 Australian Grand Prix. Right now, it's Thursday and the pre-event media day has just finished, so part one is coming up before I record parts two and three on Friday and Saturday with the final part of this show, also covering our reactions to qualifying here in Melbourne. Well, seeing as this is a travel diary, better talk about some actual travel. And uh, I know this from actually several colleagues who informed me that I uh, moaned on too much about the traffic in Bahrain, which was shocking, but we're not going there anyway. So I better start by actually talking about travelling. Not a lot to report actually here on the ground in Melbourne because uh, I'm staying in St Kilda by St Kilda Beach, which is absolutely lovely, very, very... A uh, very, very interesting part of Melbourne, uh, which is only a 20-minute walk from the track. So no driving, no hire cars, no nonsense. Uh, it's just an easy Uber over from the airport when I arrived on Tuesday evening. So the main bit of travelling I've actually done is the the two-part, really, really long flying bit of it. Uh, I departed Heathrow Terminal 4 on Monday morning, 8.30 in the morning. I was there at 5.30. As anyone who's listened to any of my previous travel diaries know, I am totally scarred by nearly missing a flight at Amsterdam Schiphol Airport uh, after the last year's Dutch Grand Prix because of horrific security queues there. So I was there very early and, of course, checked in and through security in eight minutes. So I had a lot of time to kill. Uh, but that's absolutely fine. It's, it's, it's my choice to do that. Um, there was a, a minor issue with the flight, actually, in that... Uh, Everybody sort of boarded and was sat down, but it missed the sort of 8.30 departure time and yeah, ticked up to 9am when the uh, the captain came on the uh, on the tunnel and announced that uh, we were expecting a two-hour delay. And then 15 minutes later, that disappeared. We left the gate, took off for Doha 45 minutes late and arrived on time. So that was quite impressive. Uh, but yeah, anyway, when I was there in Doha, I met a, uh, a press room colleague who happened to uh, be travelling on the same route down. So uh, we passed the time. It was about, I think, two and a half hours, the, uh, the gap between um, the first flight and the next one going on to Melbourne, catching up in the airport lounge. That was really, really nice. Then it was a much longer flight. So it was about six and a half hours to Doha, 12 and a half to Melbourne. So uh, yeah, that was pretty uh, pr- pretty lengthy, but uh, I was able to finish off my column for last week's Autosport magazine on the flight. 
mainly listened to a few podcasts, uh, audio books and all of that. Uh, didn't actually watch any films or anything. Just uh, just tried to uh, tried to get through it as best I could. I did sleep a bit, which was rather lovely. Uh, and I landed in a lovely warm Melbourne sunshine on Tuesday night. So sort of neither Monday nor Tuesday really existed for me. But there we go. Uh, well, it wasn't night, obviously, if it was sunshine. We did land at about 5pm. But anyway... Obviously, with such a long journey, uh, your brain is absolutely scrambled. And by the sounds of this ramblings, I've yet to recover. Because, obviously, it takes such a long time to recover from the jet lag and things like that. And the, the, the length of the journey, we do arrive uh, rather early for this race compared to normal. So, obviously, here Tuesday uh, evening, when normally we'd be arriving sometimes even uh, Wednesday evening. Usually, it's Wednesday afternoon for, for whatever race we go to. Obviously, the majority uh, around Europe, quite easy to get to from London. Uh, but anyway, when I woke up here in Melbourne, I was rather shocked to hear it absolutely tipping it down with rain uh it was really really quite vile um i've been to melbourne twice now for that aborted 2020 um australian grand prix with uh, with the coronavirus pandemic unfurling and then here again last year and had not seen it rain so that was that was quite a shock i was aware it could happen but still uh anyway, that eventually cleared up uh i sort of spent wednesday just just sort of recovering really uh it's my day off every wednesday because of the amount of uh, uh, weekend work we do so um i enjoyed a bit of a lion which is rather nice uh, and then i went and explored st kilda beach i didn't try and go there every year because it's really nice although i was chastised um, by someone uh, uh a local australian saying that uh, it's it's not representative of any of the really amazing beaches in Australia but for an East London boy I think it's pretty tremendous uh, and as I was doing that I was sort of uh, walking around thinking about how I was going to gather material this weekend for an upcoming uh, feature on Aston Martin and their tremendous start of 2023 for a cover feature on an upcoming issue of Autosport magazine. Once I'd uh, uh, walked up and down the beach for a little bit, I then uh, came back and went off to meet a couple of my colleagues, Philip Clearin, who is here with me, doing the sort of news side of things as I focus on features, although I've actually done a fair bit of news news gathering uh, so far this event, as I'll come to later, uh, and Andrew Van Leeuwen, who is our Australian editor, essentially, covers supercars down here, uh, lives in Perth, used to live in St Kilda in Melbourne, but uh, moved over to Perth recently, and uh, he's always, always great because, A, he's an absolutely stand-up guy, but also because being formerly a local he knows all the excellent sites to uh, to go and see and all the place, good places to eat uh, and all of that we met him at the St Kilda Bowls Club which is exactly that uh, exactly what it says on the tin uh, anyone can just wander in have a drink, which is quite nice. Um, AVL tells me it was toast- it's totally representative of uh, Australian culture. That's quite a common thing to go drink in a bowls club. It's a very popular activity, especially in the summertime. Do lots of parties and things like that. I have to say, uh, having played cricket for Wanstead Cricket Club, goodness me, about 15 years ago now when I was a junior, um, it had very similar vibes, very similar club vibes, I thought there. But anyway, there we went. Uh, after 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 catching up with AVL, which is always lovely, um, headed off to a special event hosted by Alfa Romeo driver Valtteri Bottas, who is doing an excellent impression of, of an Australian is that the right way he's just being Australian I think judging by his uh, his spectacular haircut his facial hair and his outfits at the moment uh, obviously his other half is from Australia so he's definitely trying to impress everybody down here but anyway the special event he was hosting was that he's launched his own brand of gin so uh, he held a sort of uh, Sort of a press event, a, a nice uh, little celebration uh, in his favourite coffee shop in uh, in South Melbourne. So everybody went along to that. Uh, I learned only a few little things about it. The name of the, of the gin is named after the Finnish word for apple. I also no- learned, uh, thanks to us revealing it, it's retailing at 90 Australian dollars. That's 50 quid for a bottle of gin. 
that's quite pricey. We did get to sample a few glasses of it with uh, with tonic and things like that. It's served with a nice fresh slice of apple and having criticised its outrageous price, I will say it was very tasty. So there we go. Uh, well, obviously, early one today, I woke up in the morning as everybody tends to do. Um, uh, it was very early in the morning, though. Um, it was 3.30 in the morning as jet lag absolutely wrecked me. Uh, so yeah, when I arrived at the track at 10 a.m., I was feeling fairly fairly not myself fairly alien fairly less human but uh but it got off to a nice start as avl showed me around the supercars paddock just uh, having a look at the the new machines that they're running in the sort of the flagship australian series here down under and they look absolutely magnificent the sort of uh, they're much more aggressively bodywork styled um just they sound better they seem to be racing really well around albert park as well from what i can see uh, so that was really nice of him and a really good way to kick off the day uh and that day was spent covering the media sessions giving it is the thursday is generally given over to media stuff particularly for the drivers uh, i was interviewing uh, carla science in the media pen uh it's turned up to the sessions for kevin magnuson and Gunther steiner at Haas, as well as yuki sonoda at alpha tauri but the main part of my day was chasing down uh, a fairly big news story, or it turned into a fairly big news story. It's actually quite a niche one that everybody got very, uh, very upset about uh, or, or very uh, vitriolic about. And basically that is that it has emerged that after the Jeddah race, the FIA has opted to clamp down on the on the iconic, and that is Christian Horner's word, uh, on the celebration uh, activity that, you know, the winning team or teams a team with a driver on the podium or perhaps even a, a smaller team celebrating a driver scoring a, a points paying result mechanics you know have have done for decades now run across the pit lane climb up the pit wall uh, and sort of wave you know generally celebrate their driver crossing the line um, and now it actually turns out that's always been banned it's never been allowed or well certainly not been allowed since the FIA's international sporting code uh, forbade it however it's just not been not been enforced and teams have been allowed to, to get away with it but after uh, some scene the scenes at the end of the Jeddah race last time out where the uh, particularly when the, the Red Bull mechanics and the Aston Martin mechanics were climbing up to celebrate uh, Sergio Perez Max Verstappen and Fernando Alonso coming across the line the FIA really didn't like those scenes and it, um, in particular uh, we were a bit ahead of the game of this on Autosport because I just sort of found it so fascinating and spoke to various people about what was going on because there was a lot of speculation about whether this clampdown was just Melbourne specific because the pit wall is different here. It's loads of uh, big glass panels that everybody can see through so you lot literally can't climb up it. But no, this is a wider clampdown by uh, by the FIA led by their uh, race director, Niels Wittich. And essentially what was going on was um, the, the FIA just became concerned at the mechanics high up, leaning on the fence. Now the fence folds away towards the track to stop any debris that might flick up from the cars if they're running it over or something falls off you know flying up and uh, coming over the pit wall and potentially damaging people and i'm told that the main concern is actually with lots of uh, people up there celebrating the end of the race they're just not 100 sure it can take the weight so rather than risk anything particularly grave happening because of course you can imagine a load of people falling over the pit wall with a car approaching at 200 miles an hour it actually really doesn't bear thinking about what can happen there yeah there was, a, there was quite the reaction to it um you know lots of people feeling it's over regulation that it's a bit of a you know you know no fun police things like that uh and just uh, just a bit of a shame really i mean i just i think it is a it is a shame to lose those fantastic images and obviously it's a shame for the mechanics because so few people in the world really get to be in that position of you know physically being right there to celebrate your driver coming uh, coming across the line in a fantastic position but ultimately it would be much more of a shame if someone were to get uh someone were to get really hurt or potentially even die so you know ultimately it's a safety thing these things have got to be respected uh but anyway yeah my my job at autosport uh is to sort of 
get get stuck into the sporting side of things to do analysis do lots of features don't we really tend to do a lot of news chasing but uh, i have to say and i know this is going to sound extremely nerdy it is the most exciting part of what we do especially when you know you're ahead of the game as i said we were no other sites uh, reporting that um it was just yeah it was it was just uh, it was really thrilling and sorted my jet lag right out uh, also doing that also helping that was that i ran the track afterwards uh, and i looked really awful afterwards i looked at myself in the mirror i don't know what the hell was going on but uh but yeah bright red eyes bloodshot goodness me it was terrible uh generally terrible anyway but in that but in that when i look in the mirror but generally uh, generally even more terrible that time uh however it was i did observe it was nice to be running it in daylight this time as last year it was uh, pitch blackness uh when i was running now that's because the race this is actually two weeks earlier um, this time around and daylight savings uh, is still in effect right now that won't be the case on Sunday because the clocks are going back in Australia which means I'll get an extra hour in bed absolutely fantastic and what's really nice is that because it's autumn here when I go back to the UK and the clocks change in the autumn there I'll get an extra hour in bed again so there we go anyway right that's Thursday I've witted on too much uh, coming up very soon part two of my travel diary Hello again, it is Friday of the 2023 Australian Grand Prix. Here's the uh, second part of my travel diary. And my day started rather pleasantly, in fact, highly convivially, as I know my former colleague Luke Smith would appreciate, because it was he who I had breakfast with at a cafe near my hotel. Uh, it was really nice actually just catching up with Luke, uh, wishing him all the best in his new surroundings. Uh, and then we walked together into the track. It's about 20 minutes door to door from uh, my hotel into the track, all the way through St Kilda. All through gate 10, the track already very, very busy. I'm told that queues uh, were building up at the the access gates for the public from 7.30am. They open, I think, about 9, 9.30. So, yeah, people look very, very keen to see the track action finally getting underway at Albert Park. Uh, when I arrived, I caught up with some team sources during the car presentation uh, sort of activity i guess you describe it as where the teams are ever since the start of the 2022 season required to display their cars for a certain amount of time ahead of fp1 which means the media can have a look they're required to say uh, what updates they're putting on the car for specific rounds involved explain why they've done that things like that we can go in and take pictures and, uh, and have a good look uh so i did that chatted people went and looked at the cars red bull got a little bit of front wing tweaks alpha towery um big uh, big a lot of big details and things changed on the floor at that team uh, but one thing that really struck me uh, i don't i mean my, my exposing my lack of technical knowledge here but uh, i did have a nice look at how the wheel fairings curve really nicely under the ferrari and the merc and they don't at red bull that's on the front of the car you know they sort of those wheel eyebrow things they fell off uh, one of them fell off charles leclerc's car at the start of qualifying in bahrain if you remember a few weeks ago and um, anyway it looks rather less sophisticated at, at red bull but uh, it clearly works because they're doing it's the best uh, best car in the field anyway after that i was lucky enough to go trackside with avl and phil we wandered down to turns one and two uh, avl and i did that last year because there's a fantastic uh, sort of temporary photographer's tower that we got to climb up uh we stood behind behind the actual working photographers and we observed obviously i'm taking photos with my phone to uh, use went for a little mini feature i do in autosport magazine to go with uh, each race report and it's amazing being up there because it's a really really good it's a really good visual demonstration of a how sort of old school tough and really tricky this track is for the drivers but also just when they chuck in the cars into the apex at turn one getting right on the power for the left of turn two it really tests you know their rear their rear uh, rear stability rear handling the mercedes cars really really struggling there but max verstappen even in the red bull was barely hitting the turn one apex had uh, uh, several um nearly massive moments losing the rear end but he, he managed to get on okay 
Uh, Yuki Snowda didn't know. He had a big old spin and nearly rolled his car. I was actually looking down, taking some notes, heard a crash, thought there'd been some contact, looked up, and it was the Alpha Tauri backwards. Yeah, the noise that I'd heard had come from when he slapped the gravel going backwards. And yeah, like I said, it dug in, nearly rolled over, but didn't. Um, there was obviously a red flag, two red flags during that session. Logan Sargent stopping towards the end with an uh, 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 electrical problem that, as I'm speaking, Williams has not yet diagnosed and fixed. Hopefully it will do by the time we come to our qualifying podcast tomorrow. Um, the first red flag, though, was because there was a problem with the GPS systems, and I chased that later on. And actually, what happened was that uh, an FAA server that logs what all the tyres are being run whilst the track is live, while the car's going out, that had crashed, and that sort of played haywire with the distribution for all of the rest of the data channels in terms of the timing and things like that the FAA is, uh, is sending out, especially to the teams. And what this meant was that while the GPS was running on the cars, the FIA could still see exactly where they were in race control. The, distri- the distribution network going down meant the teams couldn't see where the cars were. So there were lots and lots of near misses with some cars obviously going slowly on in-laps or out-laps, others pushing on. It's really, you know, like I said, it is an old-school type it's not a street it's a sort of semi semi street circuit this one here in albert park and basically yeah there were lots of near misses because the teams couldn't inform their drivers uh, what was going on had to red flag the session while everything was sorted out uh, after FP1, headed back to the media centre and um, jumped into the press conference where I was, as I said, in my uh, part one of this uh, travel diary. I'm focusing uh, a large part of my weekend uh, gathering intel and information on uh, my feature coming up at Aston Martin. So I was lobbed a, lobbed a question at Mike Crack, particularly about uh, Fernando Alonso and that fantastic chanting from the Aston mechanics at the end of the Jeddah race, uh, finding out how he's settling in Aston. And it sounds very, very well uh, from the sounds of it. Uh, also asked Christian Horner about about the pitbull celebrations and uh yeah he just seemed to sort of suggest it was surprised it had become an issue uh that um you know it, it's, it's almost a bit of a shame but uh, red bull will comply with the rules uh, as the fia sees fit to enforce uh so anyway yeah then after the press conference i covered fp2 and then hit the paddock uh even though it was raining it was horrible i had to collect information for my friday feature which is just looking at what little running there was when it came to obviously the red flags in fp1 the rain in fp2 uh where fernando alonso was quickest max verstappen quickest in fp1 uh, you can read that on autosport.com now and it's probably all out of date bearing in mind you've been uh, been able to watch qualifying and we'll be looking forward to the race uh, putting that feature together meant that i was in the media center until just gone uh, 9 p.m i was one of the last there i think there was a few other um uh, journalists from japanese publications that were still going everybody else out enjoying the fantastic melbourne friday night i didn't get to do that i came back and ate mcdonald's in my hotel room because i'm super cool but also super dedicated to my job but anyway there we go i'm clearly delirious uh it's coming up for midnight here in melbourne uh welcome back for you in a few seconds uh for part three and the qualifying part of this travel diary for me 24 hours here we go Welcome to part three of my Melbourne travel diary. It is Saturday evening after qualifying for the Australian Grand Prix has been completed. And I'm feeling pretty knackered. I do. I definitely think this uh, this race is the best one or my certainly my favourite one of the entire year. It's just such a really well organised event. You know, you've got the Melbourne walk when the drivers come in lined with fans. It's just it just seems to be like very well attended, very well respected and uh, and people just enjoy coming here and everybody working in the paddock feels very relaxed. People chilling out in their little hospitality. They're sort of they're sort of tense, sort of semi 
rigid tents that they've all got there for the teams out in the back of the pit garages and you know lots of tables lots of canopies people just sitting around it's very easy to get access to people just have nice chilled chats that i did with uh, various people at aston martin following up on my feature stuff uh, for forthcoming issue of the magazine which i do urge you to check out but anyway yeah it's enough plugging i better get on with some uh, first of all some travel diarying which is definitely not a word but there we go uh, and then we'll talk about qualifying well um yeah i wandered in to the track in it was sort of weird conditions because obviously you'll have seen if you're watching uh, on, on the coverage today obviously it's sort of wet dry day basically the classic melbourne uh, four seasons in a day coming uh, that cliche coming into use again when i woke up there's a massive rainbow over st kilda beach and i was like oh am i gonna get absolutely soaked so i walk into the track but no it's absolutely fine uh, i had a nice breakfast eggs benedict at the uh, the Gideon Cafe, which is across the road from my hotel, which I can highly recommend. It's absolutely superb. It's packed out this morning, but anyway, I walked in with a couple of press room colleagues into the media centre via the Supercars paddock, and uh, yeah, things are looking pretty frantic there. They had their uh, second race of the weekend today uh, at dinner. My colleague AVO informed me there was quite the tear up. His excellent words, uh, excellent phrasing to use to describe basically the supercars. Uh, they've had two massive fires on the front left corner of the Ford Mustangs. Uh, so, yeah, very worrying uh, going on, very worrying scenes going on there, but so we do hope they're okay. Uh, but nevertheless, the racing, absolutely fantastic uh, with the supercars. Obviously, Formula 2, Formula 3 in action as well today. And uh, yeah, it looks really spectacular going through those four DRS zones around Albert Park. Does raise, raise hopes for the Grand Prix, although obviously because they're a spec championship. Uh, not supercars, but the the two single seater championships. Uh, obviously, that's going to make things uh, a lot more interesting when it comes to uh, to sort of DRS zone pack racing because everything's supposed to be uh, supposed to be equal. But anyway, good good stuff from what I saw there. Uh, yeah, got got uh, got a little bit rained on during FP3. AVL and I wandered down to turn five. Uh, you know, sort of followed the track on the inside, uh, and it's absolutely spectacular watching there. You really do get a sense. It's that fast uh, right, right at the end of the first sector where the cars uh, get very close to the wall on the exit and the Ferraris in particular kicking up absolutely massive of sparks. They were flying along there, obviously running very, very low to the ground. And yeah, just you really get a sense of what an old school sort of pleasantly vicious circuit this is you know the slightest thing and things will go uh, very quickly wrong for the drivers so anyway, that was a really nice uh, nice way to spend the first bit of the day although it did start raining as we got back and that sort of sort of carried on through the afternoon there was a sort of a a, a misty lightish rain shower just before qualifying but nevertheless that all took place uh, on the dry tires and yeah, a bit of a shock right at the beginning. Sergio Perez locking up at turn three, going off, getting stuck into the gravel because there has been a fair amount of rain, as I've mentioned on this podcast already in Melbourne this week. The sort of, the, it's not quite an access road, but the sort of the escape bit at the back of the gravel trap. Total mud bath. Couldn't get, couldn't get through it. Uh, the angle on the on the car looked pretty pretty difficult. Anyway, would have knocked his front wing off, and he was pretty much beached in the gravel. So yeah, Perez out. will start last. What a what a come down back to earth after his win in Saudi Arabia. Um, he did explain that as it was a brake balance issue, a problem, a technical problem Red Bull faced in FP3. Christian Horner saying in FP1, both cars experiencing brake problems. And Perez has been off the road there all weekend, off the road there in FP1, in FP3, and then in qualifying. And that really is his weekend absolutely stuffed because even with those four DRS zones, I don't see him getting back to the front of the grid. Uh, well, the front of the pack, uh, the front of the grid, topped by Max Verstappen, taking another pole position uh, for Red Bull. 
shock sort of second and third place finishes. It's weird saying that about two Mercedes drivers, but there they were considering how far off the pace uh, they've been so far this season. Basically, I think it was just under six tenths. Russell uh, was off off the pace in Saudi and a full six tenths off in Bahrain. So to only be sort of half a second off Verstappen really was quite a result for Mercedes. I think it's more to do with the fact that all teams are struggling to get heat into their tyres here with the sort of the low temperatures for this time of year uh, and also the very smooth track surface. You know, we saw a hell of a lot of running in qualifying. They were all worried the rain was going to return, but also it just takes that amount of time to get exactly happy with the tyres. Even Red Bull, you know, Matt Stappen, first few laps in Q3 looked all at sea. He was going slower than he was during Q2, but uh, right at the end didn't even need the sort of normal couple of prep laps that the rest did the Mercedes cars two prep laps before they delivered their quickest laps Verstappen able to come out there do an out lap nail his fastest lap and it absolutely blew everybody away uh, for what it's worth I thought George Russell did really really well to get into uh, to get into second to dip under the 1 minute 17 bracket alongside Verstappen uh, Lewis Hamilton could he have beaten his teammate for the first time this season it's very possible obviously he was sort of held up a little bit by Nico Hulkenberg's Haas going through the final corners ahead of the final laps and he did say yeah that did actually cost me a bit of time temperature when it came to that critical turn one turn two really really challenging segment uh, there and if, if you are lucky enough to to be in Melbourne to see one of these races go and watch those turns because these cars are absolutely alive and right on the edge through it so yeah fantastic place to watch uh, but yeah that's the that's the top three after that came Fernando Alonso Carlos Sainz Lance Stroll and Charles Leclerc Ferrari getting their sort of timings wrong getting things you know right or wrong when it came to sort of the running order on the track Leclerc sort of suggesting Sainz yeah, uh, uh, up front ahead of him at least was sort of a bit of a distraction there but there we go um, Alex Albon eighth for Williams fantastic result for him let's give them a shout out that really was a tremendous effort and uh, sort of Williams just, just speaking about how he was able to, to, to go with the flow to get the tyres working and to keep them in the correct uh, operating range absolutely critical uh, for that and just the confidence that, that gave him they, they, you know, they often talk it's interesting talking to Dave Robson their head of vehicle dynamics uh, after qualifying it is very much a dark art uh, getting these Pirelli tyres to work. Albon said that exactly that after qualifying. And, you know, it's it's just a moving target constantly. Some drivers can do it better than others. Some teams can get on top of it better than others. But Albon and Williams, absolutely in the groove. So well done to them. Pierre Gasly in ninth place for Alpine. And like I said, Hulkenberg again in Q3 for Haas. He's doing a fantastic job in qualifying this year. So fair play to him. Let's have a quick look ahead to the race tomorrow. Uh, I mean, obviously on paper, it looks like another Verstappen Red Bull walkover, but you've got to think we're discussing this at dinner uh, at the wonderful Babu G uh, Indian restaurant on the corner of Grey Street and Fitzroy Street, just at the, at the very uh, edge of Albert Park, just by gate 10 on the way in that leads you into the supercars paddock and then eventually to the bottom of the F1 pit lane. Fantastic restaurant, I urge you. If you're ever in Melbourne at any time of year, I've eaten there twice now in the last two years. And honestly, the best curry I've ever had. And it's absolutely fantastic. So go there. But anyway, AVL, Phil and I were discussing uh, what might happen in the race tomorrow. I promise we talked about other things because uh, <laughs> when, you when, you know, when you're constantly working in Formula 1, you do have to find some ways to escape. But uh, no, we did find enough time to go over what we thought might happen in the race tomorrow. What perhaps we hope will happen in the race tomorrow, considering how easy it's been for Red Bull so far. And basically... If you're Mercedes, you've got to be talking to your drivers and saying, whoever gets to that first corner in front has to have a go at Max Verstappen. And if they crash, they crash. If they get ahead, the other one can put pressure. You know, it's got they've got to go all out attack. They've got one opportunity. And if they don't take it there, the the race is blown. And, and we know this is almost this is almost a lost season already for Mercedes if they've got to, you know, change car concept and make such big changes. It's gonna be very, very hard to catch up. With Perez out of the picture. 
they can really go to town on Verstappen here. You know, there's going to be strategic options. Pirelli saying all three tyres could potentially be an option, but the most likely way to do things, the quickest way to do things, is a one-stopper, start on the mediums, go to the hards. If there's a safety car, the soft will come into play, but it's not a fantastic race tyre. And uh, Dave Robertson was saying that, you know, that the, the long running that was logged in FP3 after FP2 was washed out. Uh, the, the cars that did do long runs on the softs were experiencing quite high tyre degradation. Now, that'll be a little bit less when it comes to the race because of how the, the drivers will be managing things like that rather than pushing on uh, in practice. But yeah, don't expect the soft to be used too much tomorrow. So... Strategic options for Mercedes, but surely their best option is to attack. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this travel diary. I hope you appreciated me whittering on, uh, getting things wrong when it comes to how the timeline works and various bits and pieces. But uh, but yeah, another fantastic week in Melbourne. I do hope race day goes well. I do hope my uh, my flight home via Doha goes well. My two flights home via Doha go well on Monday night and I arrive back into London on Tuesday lunchtime. Anyway, enjoy the Australian Grand Prix on Sunday. Wherever you are in the world, whatever time it is, I'm off to bed now. And actually, it's going to be a pretty unique experience for me in 2023 in that tonight, the clocks go back here in Australia because, of course, it's the awesome there. So I'll get a lovely extra hour of sleep. And when I'm back in London uh, in October, I'll get to enjoy that as well in the UK. So, yes, enjoy the Australian Grand Prix 2023. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.